Walter Brown, Mysteries. Adventures in excitement and suspense. Based on the best-selling novels by the slick storytelling sensation, Carter Brown. I just sat there in Jim Berg's office and stared from his face to the gun held steadily as a rock in his hand. Somehow it took a long time to sink in. The thought that I'd messed it up, that Whitney Kent, jet pilot and so-called jinx, had also been a jerk. Burke moved round behind my chair, felt my pockets and took out my gun. Then he stepped back to the table and picked up the phone. Don't try anything, Whit. I can talk into this and watch you with no trouble. Berg. I got company. Whitney Kent. He brought me some news from L.A. Van Eck squealed. Yeah, that's right. They didn't pull out fast enough. No, he's on his own, I think. Probably had a fancy idea of taking both of us in or something. You'll be right over. Fine. Yeah, we might need a hostage. Okay. Well, I'm finally getting hep. Took you a while, didn't it? The perfect setup. The chief of plant security. Who the heck would question where he went inside the plant? Nobody ever did. You could get right next to an engineer and he wouldn't even notice you. You could sabotage the planes. You could split my parachute. Of course. You see, being an ex-FBI man is the best thing a guy can be. Nobody doubts that he's honest. Nobody wonders if somebody comes along and offers him 50 grand whether he'll stay honest. They don't even imagine anybody offering him the dough. And that's where the boss was smart, picking me for the job. He must have picked you long before he joined the firm as a director. From the time when I ditched the first F-92K. That's right, he did. He's been planning this a long time. That sounds like him now. But keep nice and still, Whitney. Oh, Jim, I... Kent! Don't tell me you're surprised to see me, Mr. Moore. What's going on? What's the gun for, Berg? This! Don't move, Whitney. What's the idea of knocking your boss cold? Him? My boss? You got it cockeyed, Whitney. This is my boss coming now. Well, Jim, everything under control? Holmeyer! What's that fool Moore doing in here? I didn't wait to ask. He just came in at the wrong time. So, you were going to take us in, Whitney, all on your own. I... I thought it was Moore. I never dreamed it was you. I'd have been very surprised if you had. Jim, I presume the police are watching the plan. I guess so. They've been around all afternoon. Pity we don't have an F-92K. We could have had our young hero fly us out. Berg, you hit me. And I'll do it again if you step out of line. Has everyone gone raving mad around here? No, Mr. Moore. Let me introduce you to our sabotage chiefs. Owen and Berg. That's right. I think you'd better keep quiet now, both of you. It's a good thing you called me right away, Jim. Gives us plenty of time. For what? For getting out of here. But they'll be watching the plant. They'll have roadblocks, probably. We don't have a hope of getting out of here unless we make ourselves invisible. That may not be impossible. Can I ask you one question? Sure. It's a one-word question. Why? I guess you're entitled to the answer. Do you know who owns the Ace Aero Corporation, Whitney? 
the stockholders, I guess. You know who the stockholders are? No idea. Me. You? Through certain dummies, of course. But I made an error of judgment. I thought Ace Aero was the firm to buy. It had a brilliant top executive, Milton Moore. Thank you. But it lacked a designer like Gene Latimer. I had everything but the right plane to build. Kent Aircraft had the right plane, but I knew your father needed capital to expand his production to meet his demand. So, I figured the whole thing out very carefully. If you boarded the company, nobody could possibly expect you to sabotage it. Exactly. And by persuading more of my own chief executive to leave Ace Aero and come here too, and by arranging to lend him the money, it meant I had a 50% interest in Kent Aircraft. So nobody could think for a minute I was anything but genuine. Oh, Whitney, I assure you I had not the faintest idea of all this. I believe you. But of course, Halmeyer, long before you bought in on us, you took the precaution of buying Jim Berg for yourself. Of course. I was determined that the F-92K wasn't going to make good. That meant sending Kent Aircraft bankrupt, so you could buy out at a nominal figure. Naturally. And then I'd have produced the F-92K without bugs. A neat little scheme. But it didn't work out, Halmeyer. No. The trouble with being clever is that you have to employ others, some of whom are not at all clever. I got a good man in Berg here, but Berg got a moron in Van Eck. Well, Slade said he was okay, and I figured his word was good enough. Anyway, aren't we wasting too much time talking? We ought to figure how we're going to get out of here. I've already done that, Jim. You have? Well, how? If we can make Los Angeles, we'll be all right. Oh, maybe, but first we have to get out of here, and how are we going to do that? I'll show you. Whitney, you brought your father's car down here? Yeah. Does that make it sound easier, Jim? Whitney drove his father's car down to the plant tonight. He'll drive it back again. Well, I don't get it. I'd have thought a child could understand it. He'll drive it out with the three of us on the floor. They know Chuck Kent's Cadillac, and with Whitney driving it, they let him through. I don't see why that setup shouldn't take us through the roadblocks as well. You're taking more along? We can't leave him here to raise the alarm, can we? Okay, then what are we waiting for? Is that the only gun you have, Jim? Well, there's one on the table that Whitney was carrying. What's yours? The Lugo 32. And that's a silencer on it, eh? Sure. Doesn't make any more noise than a cork out of a bottle. Let me see. Here you are. Thanks. I'd like to know if the silencer actually works. What? You... You, sh you shot him in... Callously, in, in, in cold blood. I don't need him anymore. And you and young Whitney can call it an object lesson. If Berg had been more careful in choosing the people we needed, Kent Aircraft would have been mine now. I think you're crazy, stark crazy. Am I? <laughs> we'll go out to the car now. You will drive it, Whitney. I shall be on the floor in the back, and so will Moore. <laughs> I'll give you a practical exercise in ethics, Whitney. If the car gets held up for any reason and looks like being searched, I shall shoot Moore first. His life is your direct responsibility. A couple of minutes later, we were in the car. We rolled through the gates. The guard on the gate gave me a smart salute, and then we're out on the highway heading towards San Bernino with Los Angeles beyond. <laughs> Demonstrates the power of advertising, doesn't it? They say there goes Chuck Kent's car, and never even think that somebody other than Chuck or his son might be in it. I guess not. 
You can pick it up a bit, Whitney. I needn't remind you that I'm in a hurry to get to Los Angeles. I boosted the speedometer up to 70. I wondered where the police who were supposed to be watching the plant could be. There was no sign of them, or of any roadblocks. Can't you go faster? You want to get to L.A. in one piece, don't you? What are you going to do when you get there? I have good contacts. They'll just disappear. I meant with the car and us. I'll probably have that figured out by the time we get there. You just concentrate on the road. But I was also concentrating on the rear vision mirror. It was obvious that Holmeyer was going to get rid of me and Milton Moore unless something happened to stop him. Then a pair of headlights gleamed in the mirror. I thought maybe they were the something. I moved my right hand forward till my fingers closed round the switch that operated the head and tail lights. I started flicking the SOS signal with the lights. If the car behind was a police car, maybe they'd get it. Then I heard something which made me sure they had. What's that? Sounds like a siren to me. Police! Just remember, Moore gets it first and then you. I have nothing to lose. I realize that. The police car was practically abreast by now. The driver signaling me to pull over. There was a white fence running parallel to the highway on my right. It wasn't a hard decision to make. If I stopped, the cops would look in the car. Holmeyer would certainly shoot more and almost certainly still have time to shoot me. The alternative at least offered a sporting chance. I swung the wheel over hard. When I came to, I felt peculiar. When I looked up, I realized why. One leg was hanging up high, straight and stiff. And everything around was white except a face which peered down at me. That was red, with anger. I thought you weren't going to play heroes. Now look where you wound up. In hospital with a broken leg. Take it easy, will you, Pop? I had no choice. What happened to Moore and Hallmark? Moore's in the next bed. He's got a broken leg, too. Hallmeyer was the only one who got out without a scratch. What? Only thing is, he started firing at the cops. They got sore and fired back. Exit Hallmeyer. Now, that's enough, boss. I won some time with that son of yours, too. Okay, okay. Well, well, Miss Pearson in person. Come to congratulate me? What for? Well, uh, for my quick thinking, my cleverness, my ingenuity. Huh? Well, if I hadn't given that SOS signal to the cops behind me... They didn't know anything about an SOS signal. They were pulling you over to tell you that your taillights were on the blink. Oh, no. What's the use of being a quick-witted hero when the cops are so dumb? <laughs> Darling, you're a dope. But I'll kiss you just the same. You know, when you did that, I distinctly felt my broken leg twitch and start to mend. Not for at least three weeks. Three weeks? And a good thing, too. At least I won't have to worry about what you're doing. I'll know. You'll just be lying here. They have nurses here. But you'll never catch them, darling. Not with one leg swung over your head. On the other hand, I'll have you where I want you. When I bring the preacher along. Preacher? I don't want any preacher. But I do, sweetheart. Then I can fix it so you'll always be where I want you. Permanently. This is Carter Brown. You know, when I finished writing that story, I was surprised at myself. I'd actually left Whitney with some of his bones still unbroken. But I guess you've, you've got to be kind to your heroes sometimes. 
Well, I'll be back with another of my books for you. The next one's called Crime for a King, and the king in this case is named Roger, a private detective who discovers that diamonds really are some girl's best friends. So this is Carter Brown saying, so long for now, be seeing you. High Sky Hoodoo, you heard Pamela Page as Sue Pearson, while as Whitney Kent, you heard our star, Keith Buckley. The Carter Brown Mystery Theatre, based on the best-selling novels by Carter Brown, is dramatised and directed by Morris Travers for Grace Gibson Radio Productions.